Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Um, David, good to see you. Woo-hoo-hoo. I love it. Man, it's been a long time. Don't stay away so long. Um, I actually didn't recognize you at first because I said, that's a new guy with a beard. Uh, <laughs> so, um, thank you for your patience with me last week. Um, this has been another growing week for me. And before I continue, I want to thank both of you. I owe you about $10,000 in psychiatrist fees. So as soon as I get that money, I'll make sure it's in your mailbox. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for your wisdom and your love that has caused a lot of growth. Giving these, um, writing these lessons has made me aware of how much God has grown things inside of me that I'm, I wasn't even aware of because you live in the middle in the moment of it so you never step back and look at the big picture. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so all I can bring you tonight is what I have learned from the Lord. I'm not going to bring you all the roots I may have to come back another couple months down the road when I learn them. But I am going to give you um, a, a kind of a recap of last week, but the three, three of the, the first three roots that we get. So we learned last week that we're trees. We know that. Um, so this week... Oh, I can use this. week we're going to be a bear. <laughs> Look at this. Um, does anybody know who this is? Paddington Bear. My kids loved him. We loved his books. Do you know what was on Paddington Bear when, when you buy a Paddington Bear? Do you know the sign that's on him? Every Paddington Bear has a sign. Stand still. And this, this is the sign that comes with every Paddington bear. Please look after this bear. Thank you. Does anybody know where Paddington bear came from? Paddington bear was um, created by Michael Linden, Michael London, L-U-N-D-I-N. Um, he was a little boy in England during World War II. And they lived out in the outskirts of Paddington, England. And um, Jewish refugee children who were smuggled out of Germany, or Poland and Germany and the areas there, um, so that they would not go to the concentration camps, were put, they, that sign was put over their star that was sewn on their clothing, and they were put on trains and smuggled out of the Nazi-infiltrated countries and sent to England. And every one of them had that sign, not the bear. It said, please look after this child, thank you. And all they had was a little suitcase, which is why Paddington Bear always comes with a little suitcase, with just a few belongings. And they were sent to families in England to take care of. And Michael Linden's family took in six 
if I'm remembering right, it was either five or six of these little Jewish refugee children. They were all dressed with galoshes and raincoats, you know, the, the typical, this is what the kids looked like when they came to them. And Michael said that although the children were safe when they got to them and they would never die in a concentration camp, they cried every night. They would sit around the fires before they were put to bed and weep silently because they never knew if they were going to see mom and dad again. It just makes me weep to think, little ones. Um, they, they weren't sure they were ever going to see mom and dad again. They weren't sure if they ever had a life ahead. They didn't know if these people that were sent to, they were sent to were going to love them and take care of them. Everything was so precarious. They didn't know anything except now they were out of the war-torn countries. And when we come to the Lord, we're like those little refugee kids. And the people God's going to send to us, and he is already working on it to send to us our refuge, our little Paddington Bears, their little refugee kids. And I was when I sat that first day in that back pew. I will totally admit it. I, I didn't know if I could trust you folks. I didn't know if I could trust you with all of the pain I was bringing. And it's been a messy three years for me, a very messy three years. Ask Sister Burke. 10 o'clock at night, get over here, I need help, I can't even breathe, <laughs> do you have time for coffee at 10 this morning, <laughs> um, and we need to remember that um, as we grow in our roots, we need to remember that as our roots develop, God's making us strong to be able to take in all those Paddington bears that he's sending us, and if we can envision them, as that little bear, that refugee, it will be so much easier to love them like you've loved me through these years of being here. And I can't imagine, I can't remember what it was like before I came. I mean, like, it's hard for me to remember not being here. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> this is great. So today, um, we're going to go back to the tree. And I am going to um, tell you a little bit more of what God's been teaching me. So I was... I had my dreams, my own vision of what I was going to teach today, don't we all? And then God's got this wonderful sense of humor, and you hear him chuckling, saying, <laughs> you think you know. Um, and I wasn't sure. I was tossing things up. And then Sunday after church, I picked up one of these because mine got colored on. And so I can't read it very well. Clark took some ink markers to it. So I picked one up, and I said, oh, my gosh, from January through March, it's identity, like I, you see it all the time, be the church, know your identity, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to bring to you. So a little bit, it was going to be a recap, an extension from last week, and then we're going to add a little bit to it, and I won't keep you as long. All right, so, and thank you, Timothy, for all of your creative endeavors. I greatly appreciate it. So, the first thing I want to show you is this is a tree, right? Picture of a tree. We all know what they look like, right? Except, turn it upside down. What's the roots and what's the branches? And I was looking at the tree across the street from my house and the Lord said, you see what, research it. You see what those branches look like? That's what the roots look like down underneath. And the trunk just holds the branches up and the roots down. Isn't that cool? And so when our roots grow strong, 
our branches grow strong, and that's where the fruit comes. So God's been stressing on me how, how important it is that in our identity, we see it in these roots, all right? So we're going to tie identity with roots tonight. So the three roots that I'm going to talk to you about tonight are covenant roots, covenant roots. God's a covenant God. We hear that all the time. But a covenant requires two sides to, to make the covenant. And the first three roots that he, he builds within us, he gives to us, and our covenant is just holding it to our tree, to our trunk. All right? So for these first three roots. And you got the first one last week. It was the tap root. This is going to be really... Okay. We'll figure this out. So to recap from last week, um, in 2 Peter 1.12, boss, thank you. <laughs> Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. This is Peter saying this just before he was going to go and be put to death. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. You folks are established in this stuff, but the awareness. The awareness will build them stronger, all right? So I'm bringing it to you tonight of things you already know, but we're going to build on them. So I'm going to recap what we talked about roots last week. There are five functions of real roots. Um, number one, they stabilize the plant in the soil. That's the physical. But if it's in the physical, it's also in the spiritual. And in the spiritual... The roots stabilize us in the kingdom of God. Paddington Bear had a safe place to go. He was stabilized in those houses. Those little Jewish children became stable in those homes, and they went on to have profitable lives because someone cared. That's God for us. So these roots are going to stabilize us in his kingdom. Not just his kingdom. They stabilize us in his language and in his mindset and in his ways and my identity in him. If we never get who we are in Christ, we will never grow. We will be walking out those doors to not come back. We've got to know who we are in Christ. Number two, roots absorb water, minerals, and nutrients from the soil. In the spiritual, our roots absorb the word of God. From us reading the Bible, from hearing the word preached, Titus, this past week, I was overwhelmed with the sense of loss of things that I've lost in my past, and I opened up a journal, which was with my sweaters. Why? I'm not sure, but I opened it up to a page, and there is your sermon. We are not the sum total of our losses. We are filled with the fullness of God. And it took away all that sorrow. I thank you. Timothy, you preached part of my lesson tonight, so we'll be short here. <laughs> Isn't this marvelous how we can just all work together? <laughs> but we, we get it from us reading the Bible, from hearing the word preached, from hearing the word spoken to us. Juwan just texted me the other day, Hosea 14.4, pray it over your kids. 
It gets in your system. It gets in your heart. It gets in your mind. It gets in your whole being when we hear it from each other. We don't think about blessing each other that way. I don't, maybe you guys do, but I never realized it until I, God started teaching me about this, that just speaking the truth of the word to each other grows our roots and grows our identity. Um, the third thing roots do, they store food and create growth hormones so the fruit can be born. Roots spiritually store the word in my memory. Our roots, these roots, actually store the word in our memory so that our mindsets are shifted and changed to be like Jesus. It, it um, stores the word it deep in my understanding and it creates the energy for my spiritual growth. The stronger my roots have become here, the stronger I am to say yes when they ask me to do something. And they've been asking me to do things back in the background, I'm glad, so that nobody could see. But it, what it did was it, it, it created the growth I needed to grow into more things. So don't be afraid when they ask you to do something. Just nod and smile and say yes. <laughs> Figure it out later. <laughs> um, but also, it, um, it's a spiritual growth so that the process of growth, in the process of that growth, we will someday be able to bear that fruit and bear it strong so that it'll feed others around us. Number four, roots filter out toxins and poisons from the ground. Whoa. Roots filter out the poisons from the world, the flesh, and the devil. The stronger our roots get in our identity in him, the more those poisonous words can't get in. Weak roots allow all that poison out there to get in. And I don't know about you guys, but I am strong-willed, and my flesh is strong. And when it wants a cookie, I have thrown away whole packs of cookies just so that <laughs> I would not eat it. <laughs> we, uh, what can I say? I'm just, um, you know... Human, that's a good word for it. We all have our places where we just cave. But if we build our roots strong in, in God and know who we are, it's easier to say, no, I'm not going to do this. If we know what our yes is, we then have a no. If we can't say yes to something, our no is no. If we can't say no to something, our yes is no good. They both go back and forth together. If we say yes to my identity in Christ, it's easy to say, nope, today's fast day. I don't care if there's whatever in the house. You know, I mean, that's just one example. At work, I work with women. Anybody that's worked with a whole group of women, no, it can be catty. And I am telling you, sometimes you just kind of get, <laughs> it's like a sewer pulling you in, you know? And you, get, you can get sucked up into their language but the stronger I've become, the stronger I've become in these roots, I can attest to it. Even the girl at work today, she said, I've been thinking about going to a church. This is the lady that told me when I first went there, I don't believe in God, so can you leave yours to yourself? Today at lunch, she said, I, I need something. I'm so empty. They're very rich. I'm so empty. I just got back from Vegas, and I'm dead empty inside, and I just want a church to go to. Where do you go? Isn't that incredible? Thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. Deb Parker will be here someday. Woo! <laughs> um, and then the roots transport the water and food from down here through the trunk and up to the branches so that we can bear the fruit. And spiritually, it's the same thing. It transports the word, the understanding of the word, the essence of the word, up into my body so that I live out holy actions. I don't know about you guys, but I just, there are days I'm like, Lord, when am I going to be like you? When am I going to love like you? When am I going to give like you? When am I going to speak like you? I just want to be you. But I've been learning, putting these lessons together. Oh my gosh, day by day, the stronger I allow my roots to grow, I'm kind of looking like Jesus. It's not quite there. Don't laugh and snicker. I'm getting there. You know? Okay, so let's go with the roots of what he has for today. So um, we started with the root tap roots last week. And tap roots are a covenant root. It requires two. But tap roots can come, only come from God. We do not grow tap roots ourselves. Um, so here's the part that I missed last week. This past week when I was um, trying to put other stuff together, the Lord said, you missed an important lesson that I taught you. Um, so let me re recap on what I said a tap root was. It's the main root of the tree. It's the first root out of the seed and functions to stabilize the seed plant. And, and that tap root absorbs the first waters and minerals so that we can grow. So what is our t spiritual tap root? Okay, in the Holy Ghost in, starts with L, in love. <laughs> so our spiritual tap root is love. And God puts that in us. I was not a loving person when I came to the Lord. I just want you to know, I almost knocked the lights out of the lady that told me about the truth. Oh my goodness. The other women in the factory I worked with, I was ready to grab her neck. <laughs> and they actually had to pull me back. Poor Linda Friedlander. I was so mad that she had the Lord and I didn't. I was so angry that she knew the Bible. And I went and I was like, Okay, I swore worse than a drunken sailor. It just is what it is. That's who I was. And I left my station and went to where she was making Mattel dolls to grab her neck. I was so mad. I just wanted to slam her one so that she wouldn't say anything anymore. Isn't that, You know, I wasn't a loving person. The love that's in me is because of God. So, here's our tap root. So here's the part that um, I was trying to rush through last week, and I will recap on this. Brother Arnold, um, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, and I'm just going to recap it on mine, but um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the height and the breadth and the depth and the length 
to know the love of God that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. God is the one that roots and grounds that main tap root in us. He puts his love in us. Our job is to hold it there. Our job is to take it in and make sure we hold it tight. Um, so I was thinking about the breadth and length and depth and height. Back to math. Those are the four dimensions on earth that all mathematicians know, Jawan. <laughs> we'll teach you at dinner the next night. Um, there are 11 dimensions, but the four on earth are breadth and length and depth and height. But I read this this past week, and I said, oh my gosh, I've never seen it that way. The breadth of the love of God is the love that goes to all nations, all ages, all clans, tribes, tongues, ranks, and stations. There's not one man, woman, or child that can escape from the love of God. That's the breadth of it, how broad it is. The length is from time before to time after, from everlasting to everlasting. You can't get away from it, no matter where you are in a moment in time. That day that I faced betrayal of my best friend, the love of God was there, but I didn't know it. The day that my husband told us he'd rather we be homeless, God was there in the midst of that, but I didn't know it. The day that my mother said, I'd never want you as a daughter again, and your children will not be my grandchildren, the love of God was covering me, but I didn't know it then. We have got to get ourselves in the knowledge, in the knowing, in the sureness of the love of God. Because in my growing these past three years, I realized this is where I walked out. When I was saved, I knew God loved me. But over the years, Every time someone betrayed, Satan used that to hit my roots. He used his axe and hit my root. Didn't kill the love root altogether, but man, it made a big cash. The day I found out that there was infidelity in my marriage and I was told by the two dearest women in my life that it's my fault because I wasn't a good enough wife and I just had to deal with it. He smashed it so hard that he took a huge chunk out. And I knew God wasn't there. Every time we hear those words, even in the little ones, my brother telling me, what a waste you are. Why don't you finish college instead of having kids? <coughs> All this happened after I was saved. How about those times when I really, really, really didn't have any money to pay the bills, like really didn't? And so we prayed for food, we prayed for gas. I want to tell you a miracle I had. The kids were in the backseat of the car. I needed to get to church. I was not going to miss church. We had no gas and no money, literally no money. I sat in that car and I said, Lord, Brother Thompson keeps telling me you're a God of miracles, and I need one right now. Do you see that gas tank? I need it full, or at least half full, because I need to get to church. And I sat there and I said, well, thank you for it. And I started the car, and the gas gauge went up to half full. 
and it hadn't moved for weeks because there was no gas in that baby. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay, so that time I remembered the love of God. <laughs> but, but if we allow the voices of this world to keep chopping away at our root of love, our identity in him of love, little things and big things, it wasn't just the big things that did it, but over a period of time, I started believing them that I was not loved and I would never be allowed to be loved. I believed the lies. I believed what that Lutheran pastor told me when I said, I'm an alcoholic and I don't want to be an alcoholic. And he said, if you can't get rid of alcohol, there's no God in heaven that can help you get rid of it. And I know who you are. Your mother told me. And he asked me to leave the Lutheran church and never come back. Best thing that ever happened. Because it set me on a course to finding God and not religion. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what can I say? That poor man. I wish I could find him so I could thank him, huh? <laughs> um, anyways, so this is, I want to teach you what God's taught me since here, since I've been here, so that my root of love, my taproot of love, cannot be smashed anymore by Satan's axe. I had to write it down so I don't cry. <laughs> it's just very personal to me. I'm being very transparent tonight. This is hard. The Lord said, you need to be honest to tell them what happens when you believe the wrong thing. It's ugly. So how do I allow the root of God's love to grow in me? It's important that our starting point, our taproot, is learning that we are accepted that I being acceptable in the church and being accepted in the church are two different things. While my marriage was falling apart and we were living in poverty at church, we looked like the model family. I'm just being honest. We knew how to put the faces on. I knew how to cover it up. I knew how to cover it up around my mom so that nobody knew the pain when mom was around. Everything was wonderful. But I never learned how to be accepted. I never, ever learned how to be accepted. I learned very well to do things right, to be acceptable, so that you all thought I was okay and you could like me. But it's huge. The chasm between the two is huge. And in the body of Christ, we have to be accepted. We have to know that our identity is accepted because He made us who we are. And in our mess, He can figure it out and put it back together. The miracles He's done for me these past three years have been unbelievably incredible. If we could sit down, it would take me days to tell you everything that God's done for me in three years. Thank God. The, it's, um, this covenant love is about relationship and connection and belonging, 
not isolation. If you have to work at being acceptable, you have to isolate yourself because you have to keep yourself away from other people when you are having bad days, when you are messing up royally. But in this church, I have learned that I'm accepted and my identity in Christ is sure so that I could work through all of the stuff that I needed to work through. And before I came here, I never had a safe place to do that. I never had a safe place to do that. And I was about 29 years old, 28, 29. I had the kids and they were young. Um, three times in one year, really strong women of God um, spoke the exact same thing over me. None of them ever knew me. Sister Tenny was one of them. Um, the other two were women in Ohio that were very strong women of God in, in the Ohio district. And in three different meetings, all three spoke over me that over time and in God's time, your heart will be able to minister to broken and abused women. And I thought, isn't that an interesting ministry? I'll have to start reading books about it because I don't know what it is to be abused. Isn't, why would God call me to a ministry like that? Okay, I'll go to school. I'll figure it out. Except I didn't know until I was in my mid-40s that I was the abused women. And he, out of my brokenness and out of the shatters from since I've been a child, he can grow a ministry. I can recognize an abused woman without a word. You can feel it. You know the words that you hear. You know what words to hear. You know the looks on the faces. You watch them as they're working hard to be acceptable. But I've learned that if I grow this taproot of love really, really strong, then that's what I have to give them. And in that love, they will be healed and they will be accepted. The healing comes because of acceptance. This um, taproot of covenant is the difference between a relationship in community and performance. Y'all know how to perform? I was a good monkey. <laughs> I even had a little band. You know those little monkeys? Sometimes I felt like that because I was an ADHD kid. I know none of you are here, but man, I bounced the walls as a kid. Now I'm understanding that some of it was from the abuse, but... Um, have you ever, uh, yo, yo, some of you might be too young. Do you remember the monkeys that were wind-up monkeys when we were kids and they beat the cymbals and their little, you remember them? That's what I felt like as a kid my whole life growing up as a little kid in my family. I felt like I was that wind-up monkey. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, anyways, it's not about performing. It's not about performing in this church. It's about community and belonging and growing and you will grow into your identity, and you will grow into your gifts, and your gifts will be able to be used for all those people in Sweden. Everything he's put into, how old are you anyways, besides young? Okay, let's pretend he's 25. Oh, he's 35. <laughs> Is he really? Okay. Oh, yeah, you're about Ben's age. Almost. Okay, so 
everything God's dumped into you these past 35 years has been preparing you. We all know that, but we don't always recognize it. Um, in Jesus' eyes, we have to remember that our acceptability is never in question. Our identity is sure because of the cross. And every day, sometimes, I have to remind myself of that still, but I'm getting better. Now I don't have to say it out loud so much. And I want to show you what I did the first year I was here in that apartment. My nose is dripping because Clark kissed me. <laughs> and he has a runny nose. <laughs> oh, I apologize. Um, so I, want, I brought it to show you what I did. That first year here is when God started working on me about this acceptance piece. And so I started digging out scriptures about my identity, who I was in Christ. I did not believe it. I will be honest with you. I did not believe it. But I would say those scriptures. I had one hanging on my mirror in the, in the bathroom. I had one on every kitchen cupboard. I would hang them everywhere. And where... Or I'd have them laying around, and I'd pick them up and repeat, I am God's child. He wanted me to be a part of this family. I am Jesus' friend. I have been justified. I am united with Jesus. We are one spirit. I do belong to God. He brought me back from the enemy. I, too, am a saint of God. I'm just like Sister Burke. Wow, I'm just as happy and fun as Juwan. I can't, you know, you just, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I, um, I am complete in Christ. God is my husband. He has redeemed me and called me to himself. And if you're struggling with your identity, do it. It works. It sounds silly, but it works. Because the longer we get that word in our hearts, the stronger we know who we are. And we're in the last days, and all of us know it. And if we don't know our identity now, our feet are going to be pulled out right out from in front of us. You don't think those axes are hitting hard? They're all around us. And we need to build up this love in each other. Don't feel funny about texting. Oh, what are they going to say? Uh, text me. If you don't have my phone number, I'll give it to you. I'll hear some of your words of love. I'll take them. Don't be afraid to text each other. And I keep listening to that song. Thank you for sending. I appreciate it. Um, so where are we going to go from here, Lon? Hang on. This is a normal math teacher thing. You just spread everywhere in the world, and you take the height, the breadth, the depth, and length of it. Um, did I finish that anyways? Did I tell you about the breadth and length? Mm, I don't know, but we're going to be going on. Okay, so this is the thing we need to remember. God knows only one way to walk with you. I heard, um, I was listening to preaching, and I said, oh my gosh. I never thought of it that way, so I wanted to share it with you. I don't even remember who it was. God knows only one way to walk with you. That is to empower you by his divine power and his divine will, to fill you up with his love, and to be totally and completely accepted in him. That's all he knows. So when you find yourself saying, he can't love me, he doesn't know about it. He can't hear that language. All he hears is our acceptance in him. So... Um, Here's what I want to encourage you. Every person is choosing in every moment to walk either in the love of God or in the fear 
that it works and acts, uses the acts against love. Recognize when you're stuck and you don't believe it yet, right now. Recognize those points. I've had to recognize those times in my day when I'm slipping back into those things and I have to get out the word of God. I've got to get out my lists. I do whatever it takes to make sure I maintain the health of this root of love because from it flow all the other issues of life. So I want to encourage you, however that weird that looks to you, however you have to do it, please, 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 call us. I, I, don't, I don't even know what that's going to look like for you, but we, it's imperative that we do it. Um, so let's move on to the other two roots. So these are all covenant roots. Um, I need Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, please. Thank you, Brother Arnold. So the next root, these two next roots grow directly from the tap root, and they are from God. We cannot do these on our own. So here we go. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. The second root is exceeding great and precious promises. So I'm going to ask you, what's a promise? If it's something he gives us, what is it? So I am a dictionary person, like I told you last week, and I have something you'd be interested in. I use an 1836 dictionary because it has a more accurate description of the biblical words. We have a lot of slang in our dictionaries now. So, and I actually have the, it was actually my great, wherever, whoever, in 1836 from down in the family. Um, so it is to announce and proclaim and declare something that the person speaking will do, they will do the particular thing that they have spoken, and it will happen. How many of you have made promises to your kids and you couldn't fulfill them? You meant well. I cannot be the only one. <laughs> yeah, look, it's like, how many thousand? No. I tried not to do too many, but it, it's life. How many times have you promised a friend and you just had to call and say it's just not happening? Except that God's different. We all know that. When he speaks it, it will happen. It may not happen in our time that we, we love our own time frames, don't we? I love putting things in a box. I love order. Except that you can't always put God in a box like never. I have tried, just take my word for it. You cannot put him in a box. But why would we want to limit him if his promises are exceedingly great? Exceeding means above anything you could ever think. Go beyond that 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10. Keep going. You haven't gotten there yet. Go a little bit bigger. You haven't gotten there yet. Go a little bit more. You're not quite there yet exceeding great and precious promises. So when he says, Lonnie, you're a new creature in Christ, I may not be seeing it, 
but he does. He spoke it. It's there. When he tells me, pray thorns, Hosea, Hosea 2, down here in this column. 2-7? I'm not sure. I think it's 2-7. He told me, pray this over Carly and Ben. Put, head, put thorns, put hedges of thorns around them and build a wall across the road that they can't get to their lovers and they will turn their hearts back to God. They will turn their hearts and say, I need to go back to my first husband. I need to go back to where I was safe. So I've been praying that over the kids. It's going to happen. All those promises, pick them. So um, a promise is a legal bond in the Bible. I did not know that. The words from God are relational. They're between you and him, but they're also legal. There really are courts in heaven. Jesus really is the king of kings and the judge of all judges. And he really does have the truth. And he really does have legal words. And a prom the word promise in the Hebrew language, language is a legal and binding term. He cannot be loosed from it. So you can be sure he's carefully choosing his words. Why would he speak something he couldn't pull off? If it's a legal binding word, why would he tell us something that couldn't happen? Right? I just paid for a will. I am not young anymore, but I didn't want my kids stranded if something happened. Actually, COVID made me think, if I pass away tonight, the children will be lost. Um, but that's a legal and binding document, and you can't change it. You can't go there and say, she was out of her mind, and she has the wrong people listed for executor of her will. Am I not right? It's legal and binding. Why would God tell us something, if it's legal and binding, why would he tell us something that's not going to work? If we can look at the scripture that way, it, it changed, knowing it's a legal term, changed my mindset. Maybe not 180 degrees, but definitely 10 more, 15 more degrees. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I've never seen it that way. So um, we need to know the promises. We need to dig them out. We need to pray them. We need to believe them. And just like Timothy said, you may not always believe them when you start praying, when you start saying them. When he said that on Sunday, I'm like, he was looking in my window. <laughs> I was word for word what he said. Um, but we, even when you don't believe them, if it's in God's word, you can count on them. So just stand on them until you do believe them. I don't know what else to tell you. It's the way, it, trick your mind. I don't know. Is it a mental thing? I don't know. I, keep on saying them. Keep on saying, if God's given you a promise, he gave me Psalm 103 when I first came here. After that Sunday, that first Sunday here, I went home and that first week here, God gave me 103. Has he ever given you scriptures that were yours to hold on to? I will never forget 103, all the promises he gave me in there. And in prayer, he... It was like an assurance. All of those he will do. All of I keep going back to Psalm 103. Um, so promises are God's side of the relationship. 
I said they're covenant relationship words, right? So the promises are God's side. He builds those roots in you. You can't do it. We can speak them into our being, but he's the one that builds them there. We've got to take them into our heart, but he builds it, okay? He makes them strong, and he makes them covered so poison can't get in there. Satan's poison can't get in there. Listen to this. I was happily awed. So you know the scripture that says um, nothing is impossible with God? That word no thing means no rhema. Rhema is God's spoken word. No spoken word of God is impossible. Isn't that cool? It's what he spoke, um, Elizabeth, somebody spoke it to Mary. With God, nothing is impossible. No rhema, no spoken word of God is impossible. So I need the numbers, sir, up there, that screen of numbers. So my inquiring mind wanted to know how many promises there were in the Bible. So how long is it going to take me to find all of them? Actually, that's what I was thinking. If there's all these promises, I want all of them. So I can do 2,000 you know, within a year. So I Googled how many promises are in the Bible. And there were many, 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 many hits. But these are the four numbers that came up the most. 8,810, 74, 87, 50. The one that came up the most of all of them was 7,487. That's a lot of promises. So let's divide that by 386 in your head right now. <laughs> no. Think about it. It's going to take years. If you find one promise every day, just one, everybody can do that, right? Sit down with your cup of coffee, find one promise, sit down with your kids, let's find one promise. It's going to take you years and years, 365 into 7,487. Let's see, 365 is close to 400, right? That's close to a lot. A lot. Think about how many years just to find one a day, and they're all ours. So we have no excuse when we walk before God and stand at his throne, and he's going to say, Remember that day? Why didn't you use my promise? You are never going to be able to stand there and say, but there wasn't a promise for that. Just because you didn't take the time to find it out doesn't mean there wasn't a promise. So, I well, this is a good example. This morning, I was, um, I will not use the word fretting. I was caring <laughs> about needing a new bathroom. Um, my bathroom's falling apart. <laughs> it is what it is. And my shower stopped working. Uh, my sink doesn't work very well, and now my shower stopped. And the remember with my toilet problem that you had, it ruined the floor. Not you. The water in there <laughs> ruined the floor. I'm like, are you serious? So, you know, I my income is not huge on purpose. God's doing this on purpose, I'm sure. <laughs> um and I was saying, Lord, I do not know where I'm going to get the money for a bathroom. I mean, like, really? And I was reading. He said, read First Peter out loud. Just walk around the house and read First Peter. And the, here it comes up, casting all your cares upon him because he careth for you. First Peter 5 and 7. Okay. So we just pray about the bathroom, and we believe the promise that he cares. 
and I'll let you know. I'll bring pictures when you can see my new bathroom <laughs> because he gave me that promise today. I am standing on it like this. I am not worrying about a new bathroom anymore. So you all can come and parade through my tiny house and see my new bathroom. But it's our responsibility. He gave us the promises. It's our responsibility to dig them out. But here's the third root, faith. And faith is the other side. Faith is the other side of promises. How can you have a promise giver without anybody believing the promises? Is that making sense? How can you have somebody giving promises without someone not taking those promises in and claiming them? He puts faith in us. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He put it in us so that we could connect to those promises and they can become ours so the third covenant root is faith. And guess what? Faith in Hebrew is a covenant and legal term. It's a relationship word, and it's a legal term. Who to thunk? So I need Brother Arnold. Hang on. I've got to find my paper. Come back to that. Um, I need Second Peter one one and three for right now. Nope. Did I give you Hebrews eleven six? Yep. Those are the two I want. Hebrews eleven six first. First. So Timothy preached. Timothy taught this part of the lesson. So if you want to learn this part of the lesson, just listen to Sunday service on Spotify. <laughs> Go to landmarkworship.com and you will find <laughs> what I was going to teach about faith. <laughs> um, so it's now faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's faith that he is, and he's going to do it. And he puts that faith in us. 12.2, please, Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author is the one that starts it. He's the one that writes the book about our faith. He's the one that gets to tell our story. Well, we get to live it out. And he's the finisher of our faith. He'll bring it to the fullness of everything you need. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the glory of God. He's the author and the finisher of all of our faith. So, um, a, a, the covenant roots of love and promise and faith, the speaker needs to be trustworthy, reliable, and truth-telling. He declares the promises. The hearers listen to them, learn about them, believe them, and then the hearers also have to hang on to them and live them and grow in them. So these three are the covenant identity roots, and the rest of them the Lord is still teaching me about. They're going to be, believe it or not, I was shocked. What's the next thing we're going to? We're going for discipleship right? Don't we do identity first and then discipleship? 
What God's been teaching about the other roots are totally discipleship. It's about putting these three roots into action and growing the other roots, and I'm not ready for them yet, only because I haven't learned them well enough yet. Like, God's still teaching me some, so maybe down the road we can, you can say, Sister Hecker, do you think you could? Okay, <laughs> but I do want to share this thing with you. I wrote this in my journal uh, right after I moved into the house where I am, my little house now. Establishing growth in Christ isn't about how much I have read or heard or how many rules I can follow. It is about how many of the truths I allow transformation in my mind, in my mind and thus to transform my life. It is about how many of the truths, those promises that I allow in to transform my mind and thus transform my life. So much of life is just a hustle and a bustle and a hurry up. I can hear mom saying, wiki, wiki. So we were raised, raised for the first few years in Hawaii and in the Hawaiian language, wiki, wiki means hurry up. My mother lived in fast forward thousand miles an hour her whole life. And she expected her kids to keep up. So I heard wiki wiki my whole life. And isn't that, well, growing up, so much of life is just a hustle and a bustle and a hurry up, including the way I have approached my journey of transformation as a believer. It's something I had to change. God is not looking for how fast we can learn something. He's a master teacher. He knows the good results will be there if we can just understand the things he's trying to teach us. And it takes time to understand. Kingdom learning, is, kingdom learning style is different. It's slower, it's deeper, and it's surer. It allows us time to process. It allows us time to practice. It allows us room to get messy in the growth. It actually gives us time to grow good fruit without spots and blemishes because that's the only way a good tree grows. It, allows, it always allows time for the truth to be established in us in a way that we can take it in so that what God is developing in us will endure and the fruit will bring him glory. And because of our lives, others will be loved and healed and they can belong and be accepted too. We just need to allow God to let these roots grow in and just hold on to them. So um, I read this in um, that big thick book I have, Matthew Henry's commentary. Where Jesus dwells, he grows, he multiplies, he creates, he heals, he restores, he delivers, he saves, he purifies, and he builds. And where Jesus dwells, he dwell, and, and Jesus dwells in our hearts by faith. I can see growth in these roots these past few years in my life. And I've also recognized why I walked out. Because I didn't protect my roots. They were growing. I just didn't protect them. 
I let the wrong things in. So I'm going to tell you a little secret that I do. Sometimes if I get really quiet, I have, I'm, <laughs> this doesn't leave this church. <laughs> I am visualizing in my brain that God's painting a bubble around me. <laughs> so the stuff that's out there can't get in and hurt my roots anymore. I'm still very sensitive. What can I say? I'm hoping that gets better. <laughs> I still have a lot of mess to deal with. I realize that, but I also realize God's in it with me, so I'm going to be okay. But there are some times when words get tough that I have to pretend or visualize. I'm a very visual person. I have to visualize God painting a bubble around me of safety. And it's not in this church. I'm not saying here, but like at work, big time, with my family, big time still, that God's got this bubble going around me so that all those harsh words and harsh actions, can't they just bounce off the bubble so that I can protect my roots. And as I protect my roots, I can feel myself getting stronger. God's good. He's faithful. He's good. He loves us. And we do belong. And every one of us are accepted. Isn't that marvelous? That in itself, to belong and not be rejected, is totally marvelous. I love you folks. I love you folks. Just, I just love you folks. So thank you for listening to what God has been teaching me these past few years. I appreciate it. And I hope it's helped you, really. I hope it kind of helped you understand all my messiness here. <laughs>